Welcome to Evidence-Based Aesthetics, where science meets clinical skincare. Today's clinicians are bombarded with sales tactics and marketing hype aimed at selling a cosmetic product, device, or service, often with little to no scientific research to back it up. Master Aesthetician Instructor Kristen Group and Dr. Larry Group use peer-reviewed research to investigate and discuss the latest trends, equipment, procedures, and products in medical aesthetics, while poking fun at extravagant claims, as well as each other. Evidence-Based Aesthetics is produced monthly and supplemented by a Facebook group and Instagram. Viewers and listeners are actively encouraged to submit questions and topics for discussion. And now your hosts, Kristen and Dr. Larry Group. Hi, I'm Dr. Larry Group, and we're going to look at the top six indications that can be effectively triggered by microneedling. Let's jump right in. So whenever we're gonna look at anything, at least in the course that I'm doing, we're gonna look at what the research is behind it, not just someone's opinion or a website or something like that. So the one article that I wanna focus on, and there's many out there, hundreds of them, but the one that I'm gonna focus on was a meta-analysis, which means it was a research group that looked at other studies and compiled them to get a sense of a generalized trends. So this group, last name H-O-U, and their group together came up with a study called Microneedling, a Comprehensive Review. This was done in 2016, so fairly recent. And it looked at 41 articles that um, were have been peer-reviewed and published and tried to get some, put it into a table and sort of digested the data to get a sense what works and what doesn't work. We're going to use this one article to sort of give us a sense of uh, what the research is for each of the conditions that I'm going to talk about, okay? At the end, I'm also going to go over a big disclaimer that talks about the FDA and all those things that I want you to make sure you pay attention to. But for, to get started here, um, we know what our research is. Um, there are other articles you can look at. I'm going to use this one because, again, it was a review of many articles. All right. So the, one of the important take-home points to get out of this is that when we look at this research, the authors um, in this study and many other studies have pointed out that the combination therapy is always going to work better than monotherapy. So the, basically what we're saying is, is that when we combine other modalities, fractional lasers, chem peel, IPL, PDL, those types of things, Q-switch, chem peels, epidermal leveling, lots of other modalities, when we mix those modalities together for a particular indication, we get better results than if we just use one modality, either just microneedling or, or just chem peel or something like that. And some of this research, quite a bit of it, shows um, studies where they've mixed these to get better results. Um, so just keep that in mind. If, if this is if in your toolbox, in your list of procedures that you can and can't do uh, based on what you have, uh, either that or your licensure, um, you want to keep in mind that there are ways to mix those things together. Um, we're going to focus right now on um, what, what are the top indications, okay? So the way to look at this is, is that if we pick out an indication, I'll pick one out, age management, fine lines and wrinkles, we want to know what the mechanism of action is. How does it work? What is the research that we, we had talked about? How is it describing what's happening? If we don't know how it works, a, we can't really describe it to the patients, and B, we don't really know how it works, so we don't have a sense of how to treatment plan for it, okay? So when we look at this, we pretty much see uh, six basic mechanisms of action, okay? Those is what we, we, when we study the research and we look at, at each of those studies, we get a sense of what was a mechanism of action that was been either suggested or, or hopefully tested to show this is what we're doing when we do this, this is how it works. When we target this cell or this layer or when we're, we're do a particular uh, action with the device, we're, we're trying to get 
a particular cell to respond a certain way or a certain process to happen in the body, okay? Those are the mechanisms of action. So for each of the indications, I'm gonna talk a little bit, tiny bit about the research. I'm gonna point out the indications and then we're gonna show a few uh, before and afters. If you're listening on the podcast, you'll have to imagine the before and afters. And I'm sure your, your imagination is probably better than any of the pictures. <laughs> okay, let's jump into this. Number one thing that we see migraine being used for is fine lines, wrinkles, and in some people like to call that age management. I like that term. I don't like anti-aging because that gets a sense of you can somehow turn back time, which really isn't possible, at least not uh, anytime soon that I know. Um, age management says we're trying to do things to slow the aging process or the effect of the aging process, what it looks like. Um, in many cases, that aging process is, is sort of quantified as fine lines and wrinkles, but there's other ways to look at it. So I, I sort of grouped this together as fine lines, wrinkles, and age management. So what were the studies that when we, that one article that, that made an analysis looked at? Out of the 41, there was a couple of them that were focused on fine lines, wrinkles, age management. One was done by uh, Oust and his group in 2008, and they looked at 480 patients. This is one of the first studies that ever came out on microneedling. Like, it's a pretty good study. It's cited all the time. Uh, and it basically saw that um, when they did microneedling, they had an improvement in the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles. You might want to ask yourself, well, how do you gauge that? Well, there are different standardized uh, Certain, you know, you can, besides satisfaction surveys, which aren't particularly accurate, nor are they a way to be you know, objective, we also have sc grading scales that have been developed that what basically you'll say is you'll have a series of pictures that everyone has agreed is no scar or no wrinkles at all. And then they'll have a series of pictures in the other end that says, you know, this is what we consider to be the worst wrinkling. And then we have pictures in between with numbers. And then everyone sort of looks at that scale and says, based on that scale, this is how I would grade that. It still has some subjectivity to it, but at least it allows us to have some uh, interstudy correlation or calibration, okay? Um, so the mechanisms of action when we're doing uh, fine lines and wrinkles and age management is going to be, we're gonna create microchannels and allow topical molecules that are normally too big to get through the epidermis to get through the epidermis and get to the, to the uh, basal layer and in some cases beyond. We're also going to have some micro injuries to the basal layer of the epidermis, which is the keratinocyte. Notice I didn't say fibroblasts or collagen. I wasn't talking about that at all. I'm talking about if we look at the research by poking the keratinocytes, causing micro injuries to the keratinocytes, they will respond by releasing cytokines or chemical messengers to the tissue below that, as well as redistribute things like melanin, um, waste and nutrients between that. And what we tend to see is we get a little bit of improvement in the appearance of skin. Those are the two mechanisms of action that are most normally associated with treating fine lines and wrinkles in age management. And the clinical endpoint when you're learning to do this should be erythema. If you're getting bleeding, you're going too deep, okay? I'm not saying there's not a time to do have bleeding or petechia as the endpoint, but when we look at the research, age management, fine lines and wrinkles, the research that shows the best efficacy is at a clinical endpoint of erythema um, based on those two mechanisms of action. And again, what we usually see is either untrained or poorly trained people tend to overtreat this and they, they tend to have less than optimal patient results with respect to age management, fine lines and wrinkles, okay? Let's jump to number two, acne scars. So 
the majority of the studies out there on microneedling are focused on acne scars. That seems to be the most popular thing that it's been tested, used with, and researched, okay? 20 of those 41 articles that uh, the HO, the How group looked at uh, were about acne scarring. Now, also, keep in mind, there are many other articles besides this one grouping. I'm just using this one so you have a point of reference, okay? Um, what we find with this, especially in a couple of the, the big studies that have the most amount of patients, is we see that when they combine subcision with microneedling, they get a better result. What subcision is, is basically um, a technique where you take a, a series of little flat blades, go underneath a deep scar that's anchored at the bottom, and you're releasing the base of the scar. I'm not saying if you should or shouldn't do that. I'm merely saying this is what they show is pretty effective for those types of, especially things like ice pick scars and really deep box car scars. Acne scars are broken down into those types of things. They have rolling, box scar, the different ways of classifying the shape, depth, and the way that the, the scar appears to the eye and the way that it's actually structurally is, is uh, built into the skin, whether or not it's bound down at the bottom, how deep it is, how wide it is compared to how deep it is, okay? So when we look at, at the articles what were the mechanisms of action that we found that were responsible for an improvement in acne scar appearance? We find is we have the creation of microchannels again, where we have topicals, certain molecules that have been found to help with scar uh, acne scar revision or improvement. We have the creation of micro injuries to the basal layer again, they, that not necessarily trying to make collagen by by getting a bleeding response, but instead poking the basal keratinocytes to get them to redistribute melanin to um, to also improve cross communication between between keratinocytes and um, other cells around them. Um, we also the third one that's there is the creation of micro injuries. This is the most common one that people think about and talk about, even though it's not necessarily the, the correct choice for all indications. But in, in the case of acne scars, we do want to create micro injuries to the dermis to stimulate the wound cascade, including angiogenesis, and remodels dermal collagen and elastin. That tends to be the collagen. Uh, remodeling part of this that everyone talks about, which is one of the four mechanisms of action that are that are associated with being effective in acne scarring and microneedling. The fourth one is the mechanical breakdown of fibrotic tissue via the rapid reciprocation of sharp needles. What we're saying is, is that besides the injury part, just the mechanical chopping up of a scar, in some cases the fibrotic acne scar, uh, is allowing that, that mechanical breakdown of the tissue to act um, to make it look better. So that's separate and distinct from forming new collagen where we still have to break it down. So we break it down and then we build it back up by remodeling it. So those are the four mechanisms of action. What we find when we're doing this is that the, the clinical endpoint that you're looking for is usually generalized petechia and you may have some localized capillary bleedings. So on the deepest of the deep scars, in many cases, it'll be a little bit bloodier than generalized petechia. Now keep in mind, petechia is pinpoint bleeding, okay? It's not a bloody face. Um, obviously, if you're using something like PRP, that's gonna, the, the blood from the PRP or the PRP itself is going to um, sort of mask that. But we're just talking about microneedling. The clinical endpoint is generalized petechia. And in some cases, you'll have some localized capillary bleeding. Okay? So that's acne scars. That's, again, that's the, the, when we look at the research, seems to be the most studied thing with the best research behind it for improvement in microneedling.
Okay, next, next uh, indication is surgical and traumatic scars. So we talked about acne scars, but what about things like tummy tuck scars or an accident scar that you've had a, a, knife, you know, a knife cut on your arm? Um, some people call chicken pox scars, in some cases, accidental scars. But we're talking about surgical scars are, are bigger scars that, that in some cases are hypertrophic, which means they're raised above the skin. There's thick fibrotic skin. I think the perfect example to think about is like a tummy tuck scar or a C-section scar. We all pretty much know what that looks like. Um, there was three articles out of that 41 that focused on this. OUST did in 2008, uh, that again, 480 patients. That's a big study. Uh, Cho and Costa both did um, case reports. This is a one patient in, in intervention where they're looking at how this one patient reacted. So less weight on the, on that, the validity of that research, but at the same time, uh, the design of it was good. Uh, I think, there, again, there's other studies besides this HOU study that, that, that supports surgical traumatic scars. Um, mechanisms of action, once again, the creation of the microchannels the creation of the micro-injuries to the basal layer or the keratinocytes, the micro-injuries to the dermis or collagen induction, if you will, and then once again, the mechanical breakdown of fibrotic tissue versus by having those micro-needles chop up the tissue. Basically, the same mechanisms of action that we had with acne scars, okay? And as you can probably guess, your clinical endpoint is going to be pretty much the same. Generalized petechia with capillary bleeding. Now, notice I didn't say localized capillary bleeding. What I'm saying is, is on a linear scar, like a tummy tuck scar, when you're done with it, when we look at the research of what the clinical endpoint was, it was pretty, it was bloody, it was bleeding. So that's the time you are going to get to bleeding. I know when you go on YouTube and they show a microneedling, no matter, regardless of what's being done, whether it's age management, or acne scars or a scar. In many cases, you'll see people just bleeding profusely from, the, from their face. Um, in this particular case, that would be appropriate for just the scar region, okay? Um, just the area of the scar, maybe just a little bit around that. So in a linear scar, that scar itself would be bloody. Um, if you had a deep uh, chicken pox scar, you'd want to make that one stamp on that one scar and make it bloody, that sort of thing. When we say bloody, we're talking about capillary bleeding. That's an endpoint, okay? And let's go to number four. We have dyschromias. Now that's a, that's a generalized term, but what we're talking about, which more common term is like melasma or an uneven complexion. We're trying to figure out how to get the browns more evenly distributed. Now, as everybody knows, melasma is a condition that we manage. We don't necessarily cure it. We manage it because it's, it's constantly coming back and things make it worse, like heat especially heat, in some cases foods, and, and once, once again, hormones is a, it plays a big role in melasma. But what's important to get is, is that when we look at the research, we see that there's quite a bit of improvement in melasma when we do microneedling. The two big studies were, let's see if I can spell this right, Buddha Makuntia, and they had 60 patients, and Fabrocini. Now, Fabrocini's group's done many studies, okay? This is just one of their many, and they're very good studies. So both of these studies, uh, Fabrocini had 20, the other one had 60, and then Clementoni did one with 21. So three, three of the 41 studies in that HOU group of, of review articles uh, focused on melasma or uneven complexion. Okay, the mechanisms of action are a little bit different than with scars. We're going to have creation of microchannels. In many cases, we want to get a lightening agent. Some lightening agents can penetrate the skin without the benefit of microneedling channels. 
Um, some cannot. There's other topicals that can help this, but the, the first mechanism of action that's been pointed out in the research is the microchannels. The second one's going to be, once again, the injury to the basal keratinocytes that's going to redistribute the, those melanosomes, a better distribution of pigment. And then the third one, there's some cases where melasma, which is dubbed dermal melasma. When we look very close at the research, that's sort of a misnomer. That that pigment's not really down in the dermis. It's just underneath the basal layer. So technically in the papillary dermis, but not deep into the dermis. But what happens is if that melasma, if that pigment, those melanosomes are trapped under the basement layer, um, it's difficult to get those, to remove those. So you have to break them down mechanically, if you will. So what happens is we're mechanically breaking down those melanosomes and letting the, the body's natural defense sort of take away that, that pigment. Um, and that has to occur past the uh, epidermal dermal junction because that's where the melanosome, that's where that pigment's trapped at. So that's not all cases of, of um, melasma, but in many cases that is it. So those are the three um, mechanisms of action that were pointed out. Um, your clinical endpoint is usually erythema, and if you're going after that deeper uh, pigment that's underneath the basal layer, you're going to get to mild petechia. Um, What's nice about microneedling and melasma is because there's no heat involved, we don't have to worry about making the, the condition worse. And for a time there, I'm not sure why, people were using IPL to treat melasma and we found that the heat made that a lot worse. Now, we won't get into the concept of toning with lasers and different things like that. But basically, because there's no heat, microneedling has been proven to be effective and, and also doesn't have any rebounding from the heat. Uh, here in Arizona, though, you can do a treatment on somebody, then the day later they go to get hot yoga and then right back to where they started from. So you really do have to manage your patient for the other parts of this, okay? All right, let's go to number five. Here's a newer one, hair loss. Um, in this study, because hair loss is a little bit newer, there's only one study, but it did have 100 patients in it. Uh, it was Durat in 2013. There are other studies out there that are, are pretty well designed. Uh, the clinical endpoint was generalized petechia with capillary bleeding. In some cases, some of these studies use PRP, so you really didn't know if you had capillary bleeding or <laughs> if you were just in, from the injections of PRP making them bleed. But the point is, is that um, much like all of the other things, when we combine modalities, we get better results. Um, in many cases, you're going to want to do injections of PRP, in some cases, amnio, or a mixture of PRP and amnio combined with the microneedling. Um, just as a um, point, when you're doing a combined treatment of injections and microneedling, you're going to want to do the injection parts first because you want to be able to see the little wheel that raises up as you're injecting. If you were to microneedle first, the scalp would be kind of bloody and you wouldn't be able to visualize uh, the wheel that you need to see when you're injecting. If you're not an injector, uh, you're not, you're not going to do that. Microneedling is still effective. It's just been shown to be more effective when we do injections. Um, what are the mechanisms of action that were pointed out? Well, we have creation of microchannels, which we know from the microneedling. And we also have creations of microinjuries. This is the newest of the mechanisms of action that's been elucidated or pointed out. And that's going to be microinjuries to the dermal papilla stimulate stem cells and increases the blood supply to the hair follicles. So by poking the dermis, if you will, getting down to the dermal papilla, um, it, it causes those stem cells to wake up and increase the blood supply also helps as well. Keep in mind, there's many other factors that affect hair loss in, in, in alopecia and things like that. You'll have uh, binding of different uh, hormones, 
um, male pattern baldness, those types of things, even in some cases genetics affect it. But we have seen results, especially here in our own clinic, we've done quite a bit of, of hair restoration, uh, where we've seen pretty good results when we do microneedling and when we combine it with other things like PRP or amnia, we see even better results. So that's number five. And the last one I wanna talk about here is stretch marks. Um, what I want to point out after looking at this extensively, there's not a lot of research on stretch marks. And what we see is that the stretch marks that are being treated need to be very, very small and not um, the striae, if you will, to the point where you have uh, the, the damage to the integrity of the dermis below. Um, some people like to use what's called a pinky roll test. They'll put their pinky in the stretch mark and if it will actually uh, fit inside of that, um, that's the right size stretch mark. That's not the greatest um, measurement tool, but it does, it does give you a sense that the smaller it is, the better it looks. And we never see complete resolution, but we do see improvement. Uh, Oust was the only study uh, that used 22 people in 2010, and then Park was the second and uh, study that they used 16 people. And out of that 41, we did see some improvement in the stretch marks, but the grading scale they used was more like patient satisfaction, which tends to not be particularly objective. Um, but mechanisms of action that were pointed out on that were, once again, the creation of microchannels. Now, obviously, if you're using microchannels, you're always creating microchannels, right? Because that's what it does. But um, in some cases, the topicals that were being used have helped the stretch marks. Secondly, it would be the microinjuries to the basal layer of the epidermis. We sometimes see a little bit of change in pigment, if you will. Some of them are really red, start to lighten up. The, that naturally happens anyway over time, uh, but we tend to see a little bit more um, blended, uh, even appearance. The third one is the, once again, the collagen induction part where we're starting changing, the, breaking the structure down and then rebuilding it. And much like in acne scars or in surgical scars, we're also breaking down that fibrotic tissue. And once again, if the stretch marks too big and nothing really jumps that you really pretty much need to cut them out but for smaller ones we have seen a limited mild effect um, so I wouldn't probably under promise and over deliver if I were going to talk about stretch marks and I don't, I'm not even sure I would want to list that uh, as, as something I'm advertising I, if someone came to me and said hey can you work on the stretch marks I'd probably say you know the research isn't that great showing that this is an effect it's not going to hurt it at all so we can try it um, but I would tend to not want to promise them, hey, we're going to have great results with this because the research does not support that. Okay. So those are the six indications. And as I promised, here's our disclaimer. Okay. So the information about the skin conditions that I'm talking about doesn't constitute medical or pharmaceutical advice. I'm not giving you medical advice. I'm also not telling you what to do with your, de your device. You want to follow what the limitations are by your licensure both local, state, and federal, as well as what the FDA says. says. Now, keep in mind the FDA is designed to um, regulate manufacturers, not practitioners. Your board is who regulates you. So you can use a device like microneedling device however you want, um, assuming that there's nothing in your state board rules or laws or regulations that says you can't. Uh, some states don't let um, estheticians use them at all. Other states say you have to have a medical director. So I'm not going to get into that, but I want to make sure you pay attention to those things. When I was talking about indications, I'm not recommending you do that. I'm saying when we look at the research, 
that's the indication that people are using microneedling on and studying, and that's the results we got from that, okay? Um, so make sure you're complying with federal, state, and local restrictions. Um, some of the photos that you saw, if you're watching this and not just listening to it, were submitted by international American physicians. Um, they may or may not show expanded functions of the device. All we're saying is, is that these were their photos. Um, I'm not exactly sure, unless it came from the study, how they were, what was actually done. But I, I can say that in some of these cases, these photos were submitted by users of, of, of the system, and um, they're pretty persuasive. They'll say, hey, we did three treatments, and this is what it looked like. So there is our disclaimer. Uh, we would not want to use anything we learned from this to diagnose something. Uh, we want to just make sure this is just for your information and training so you get a sense of how other people are doing it, what the rationale is on how they do it, and then you can then make a decision if that's an indication that you want to treat, okay? Evidence-Based Aesthetics is brought to you by Skin Stylus, providing state-of-the-art microsystems to clinicians at reasonable prices. Check out SkinStylus.com to see the latest in micro-device technology that solves the cross-contamination issue without breaking the bank. Call Skin Stylus today at 480-369-6905. Hi, I'm Dr. Larry Groove, and welcome to the Top 5 Strategies for Introducing Microneedling into Your Practice. So let's say you just purchased your microneedling system. Usually the questions you'll have will be, how do I introduce it to my patients? What do I say to them? What do I charge? Uh, do I do packages? Um, what sort of specials? What sort of promotions? What sort of marketing should I do? So what we did is we pulled a lot of our users and we also looked at some research and put together this top five list. Okay, so let's jump into number one, which is the most complicated of all of them, but probably the one that's probably works the best in my opinion, and in the opinion of some folks who do this a lot. You're going to offer a two appointment console, age management, microneedling treatment, and dermaplaning introductory special. Okay, so what we're saying this is in two appointments. Appointment number one, you're gonna do a consult with the patient, which is you're gonna bring them in, look at their skin, talk with them, look at what their chief concern is, make sure they're a candidate for microneedling, get a real sense of you know what their expectations are, make sure you set those appropriately. And then you're going to get them numb and do an age management treatment with microneedling, which is pretty much a non-aggressive treatment with an endpoint of erythema. Then you're going to bring them back on another appointment around seven to 10 days later, and you're going to sort of post-op that or take a look at how they're doing with it, talk with them, make sure how they're experienced with it, um, and then you're going to make sure they bring their binder with them and you're going to book out subsequent appointments for that. At the same time, you're going to do a dermaplaning treatment. Or if you want to choose something besides dermaplaning, like a facial or something that's uh, not a lot of cost and can be done pretty quickly, you can do that as well. So a couple important points with this. While the price point for this two appointment package should be discounted to something like, let's say, 149 to 199, I'm just using that as a, as a reference point, it's important to have clearly stated that the microneedling treatment normal price is around 299 or more, and the dermaplaning is, say, $99. The purpose of this strategy is to allow a patient to kind of actually experience a microneedling treatment themselves to sort of alleviate or make them feel comfortable uh, with the treatment. Some patients have a fear of it, don't know about it, um, don't know what it's going to feel like, can't really make a decision if they want to commit to a series of treatments or not unless they've done it. So this is your way of both you getting some experience doing it if you've never done it before or have only done it in training, um, as well as getting patients in the door and having them to experience some microneedling treatments and decide if they're going to do more microneedling treatments, okay? That's 
The, that's the first strategy of this. The second part of this is that second appointment allows you to then bring them back, get a sense of how they did with it, sort of like a follow-up. And you're also going to do the dermaplaning. And the reason why you're going to do that, that dermaplaning on the second treatment is in second appointment is because a lot of times people who want who come in for a post-op, I used to do hundreds of post-ops a week, um, don't want to come in unless they're getting another treatment done. So that's why we put the dermaplaning to the second appointment. Subsequently, going forward, you might want to combine those treatments in the same appointment for normal. But for an introductory special, you're giving yourself the consult. So you're spending some time with the patient. Then you're going to do the age management microneedling treatment. Then on a second appointment around seven to 10 days later, you're going to do a sort of post-op or follow-up discussion, schedule out more treatments, and do a dermaplaning. Okay? You want to make sure that you offer this to your existing patient base and not just to new patients to the practice. So let's say you had patients, you've, you've just bought this system. So you're, most of your current patients should not have had this done already, but um, you're going to offer it to them as well as new patients who've never come to the practice. A lot of times what turns off existing patients is new patient special that they're somehow not eligible for. Okay. When you're doing this strategy, you do need to know how to do a consult. You do need to do a, a, an efficient consult. I have a couple different courses that talk about all the different elements of doing consult. What you're trying to do is quickly bond with the patient, get a sense of what they're looking for, what their chief concern is, and then work through what it is that they're trying to accomplish, set their, their expectations, try to make this as realistic as possible, and then give them a sense of what sort of treatments they can they can. Uh, plan for over time. And I tend to book out a minimum of six months and most of the time I'll book out a, a year series of treatments. That way the patient knows what they're doing. I also make sure when I'm discussing in the consult that as they book out the appointments, if during one of the appointments during the next visit, we, we, we think that or we we believe that maybe there'd be a better treatment or something different, or we need to add something to that. We're sort of reevaluating as we go as we're going, as opposed to just doing a bunch of treatments and then just hoping they work out. That allows the patient to have some sense of control as far as they know what their budget's pretty much going to be. And they also know that you know you're, they're not locked into any one thing. But they're also, by scheduling them out every at least every month, you're going to also, instead of having to do the package thing, which we'll talk about later, this sort of accomplishes that goal, which is to get them to... Um, you know, plan out and schedule treat more than one treatment with you without locking them into a package, okay? Let's look at strategy number two. Strategy number two is what's called a bonus area. So with the exception of the first strategy, what you're really trying to do is increase the value of what you give a patient, but not decrease the price. So if we remember, strategy number one was the one time that we did an introductory special where we cut the price of the consult, the age management, and the dermaplaning. A, a different strategy is this bonus area, which basically says, okay, our microneedling treatment is normally $299 for the face, whatever you want to use. But I think $299 is probably uh, a good starting point for you. And if you are uh, an advanced practitioner or a derm plastic surgeon, you're doing other things, the prices should go up from there. Anything below that, and you're pretty much cutting yourself out of, un, uh, out of income that you should have, and you're setting your price too low. There are some uh, practitioners out there doing this for less, but honestly, if you're doing this correctly and you're getting the results, you've gone through the training and all those things, you can 
asked for $299, and the majority of our practitioners have listened to us on that and are doing very well with doing a $299 or above. Okay? So what happens on this bonus area deal, number two strategy, is to you'll say, okay, you do your face for $299, and you get to pick another area as a bonus area for free. So let's say you can get your, your face and your neck done or your face and your decollete done, all for $299. What that does is it gives that extra area that patients appreciate and, and value. It doesn't cost them anymore. And for you as a practitioner, it's only going to take a little bit of your time. You can still use the same cartridge, use a tiny little bit more product, and it might take you an extra 10 minutes while you're there to do that. So that's how you, you build in that extra value area. And what you say is uh, the, the first two, the first one, the first three treatments of, of this bonus value uh, will do the extra area. And then after that, you're going to go back to just doing the face for $299. Most of the time, patients don't even care or notice or understand that that was an introductory thing. So you're introducing the, the extra area, bonus area, um, in this second strategy. Number three, uh, third most popular strategy is to do a free reduced price home care product with the purchase of a microneedling treatment. As you hopefully hear me talk about all the time, one of the most important things that you can do is to make sure you tell your patients what they should be using at home. Because if you don't tell them, they're going to buy it from late night TV or watching some you know, commercial between Real Housewives or whatever. And they're, they're going to just buy your product if you don't tell them what to use. And a lot of times your results, their results, are going to be drastically improved if they're using the proper home care items. So you're going to say, okay, we're going to do a microneedling treatment for $2.99. And as a bonus, you're going to get a free, let's say, a vitamin C daily use product, or you're going to get a, a free nighttime vitamin A product. Now, you can decide if you need these to be not full size. You can do sample size products if, if you're, the price of your product is, much, is pretty expensive. Um, or you can just factor in a full size product. Um, or you can, if you're going to do a full-size product, and you can give them a reduced price on the product, 50% off or something like that. So that's what's nice about that is that you can um, sort of get them on the, the routine using the products you want them to use as sort of a bonus to starting out with their first microneedling treatment. Okay? Strategy number four, you're going to want to organize an open house to showcase your microneedling, okay? So regardless of which of the first couple strategies or different strategies that you're using, you want to sort of pick an early evening or a time that you think that most people might be able to come without impacting their work and or social lives. Um, make sure if it's you know evening time, you have some sort of appetizers or something like that. There's a few people that do it on a weekend, whatever you decide, but you want to kind of hold something like, like a microneedling meet and greet or hopefully you come up with a better title than that. And what's going to happen at this event is you're going to have you and perhaps another practitioner or depending on the size of your office or how you're organized, uh, other staff there, you're going to be performing microneedling treatments on, on models, your own staff or people you know well or friends, and maybe leave room for uh, an extra person to come in that you want to do a treatment on. But you're going to be just sort of showcasing these microneedling treatments. And make sure you have a, a couple other staff members on hand or friends if you don't have staff members who can help then book your consult or book whatever the intro deal you're doing, whether it be the bonus area deal, the free product deal, or the consult age management derma planning to appointment deal. Okay. When you're, if you're going to do something like that, make sure that you also take advantage of all the marketing materials and support that's offered by your microneedling manufacturer, distributor, rep. Okay, so in many cases, there is marketing material of 
counter cards, banners, flyers, things like that, brochures that you can either are given with the system or you can buy. You want to get those ahead of time prior to your event to make sure that all of that's available and sort of you know, showcasing what it is you're doing. Um, and again, if you don't have that material, you want to probably ask your rep. If your rep doesn't have that material, there's other places you can find materials. So if anybody wants to email me, I can send you some ideas of where to get that. Um, you can also just look how other people organize their website. Go on a website, look up microneedling, and to get a sense of how other people are advertising it, just to get a, an idea of, of how and what these, these flyers, these brochures, and these banners look like. Okay? The fifth one is called the buddy system or the twofer. You can develop any of those like those introductory specials that you want and then you make them for two people you say you know mother daughter night or mother daughter treatment or two friends girlfriends want to come and do something together or even husband wife and what you're doing is you're basically just doubling the cost make sure you a lot for more time but you're doubling the cost so both of them uh, could do whatever the special is so you'd say if we were doing the age management consult with the Dermaplaning for $149, we'd make it then $299, but for two people. So you're getting twice as you're getting two people twice the money, but you're also creating sort of an event or an activity for them to do. And a lot of people um, either want or need or prefer to have some sort of support when they're uh, trying out a new modality. And it can just make it a fun time as you know something to do. It's burning hot here in Arizona. So any, any excuse to stay inside and do something fun. And many people find doing new treatments a fun thing to do. Okay. So that's the, the fifth way. Okay. So Regardless of which of these five or other ways that you do, you want to make sure that you're making use of your Instagram, Facebook, website, newsletter, all of your social media and advertising and marketing efforts, okay? You're going to want to announce if you're having an intro special, obviously make a flyer up, a simple flyer that says what it is that's going on and get a, a picture you can get off the internet. Uh, or anything else, in many cases, your microneedling rep might have some images that you could use. Uh, but you're going to want to come up with some sort of simple flyer or some, some simple uh, image that you can put on your Instagram or Facebook that talks about what the special that you've decided is. If you're holding an intro event, be sure to announce the date and time to your followers that this event's going on and where it is. Um, and then if you've already performed microneedling on a couple patients, models, coworkers when you first got your system, consider getting a testimonial from them so you can post it uh, as part of your announcement for this event or this special that you're doing. And you're just making sure that you put it in as many places as possible and respond to the people who you know are sending you messages about your event. Um, the one thing that you want to do is, is avoid packages. That's my sort of the one area that I think is, is a mistake for a lot of practitioners. Um, it seems to be the most common thing that people think of when they want to introduce a microneedling. But the problem is, is that unless you have a clearly defined intro session price that's distinct from all of your subsequent treatments, microneedling treatments. So you say, okay, like we talked about strategy one, you're going to do that intro special or the first treatment with the consult and the dermaplaning is 149. Let's say you didn't do that. Instead, you want to do the package route where you're saying you buy six microneedling treatments and get you know two free or you get five microneedling treatments for $99 each. Yeah, you got the five times 99, but there's some problems with packages. As you probably can guess, everyone's different. And depending on what you're treating, whether it's age management, acne scars, surgical scars, melasma, something, whatever it is that you're choosing to, whatever condition you think that you want to treat with microneedling, 
um, everyone responds differently to that. And the problem with packages is they tend to be an arbitrary number. So you say, okay, I'm going to do a package of, let's say five, just for, to make up a number. Let's say someone has uh, acne scarring and after treatment three, they're pretty happy with it. In some cases, a lot of those people say, well, why did you sell me two more treatments when I could have got, I got results in three treatments? Or let's say that uh, someone's doing a, a gnarly scar and you've done five treatments. It's looking better, but you know that it's going to need more treatments to break it up and make it look better. People will say, well, why did you sell me a package of five when it was going to take seven or eight to get the result that I wanted? So that arbitrary number of the package almost always comes back to bite people. The second thing it does is it discourages you from modifying or changing or adding treatment in. Um, when you're looking at them from treatment to treatment. So if they bought a package of six, you're pretty much set in your mind to do six microneedling treatments. But let's say that you were treating a scar or you're treating melasma, let's say that, or any, whatever you're deciding to, you do one or two treatments and you've decided, you know, you want to change it up, that microneedling needs to be uh, changed to, uh, I don't know, a Q-switch laser or just pick a treatment. You want to do a deep chem peel. With this package, they have the sense, well, now you still owe me another four instead of being able to switch to something else. Now, keep in mind, when we talked in the very beginning, remember at that second appointment of that intro special, you were booking them out for at least six months. You're still getting them booked out for an appointment. But, but instead of using the package where you have an arbitrary number of microneedling treatments, you're basically saying, we're going to do six appointments. And we think we're going to do microneedling, but at each appointment, we're going to look at our results and get a sense of, do we need to change to something else? That works so much better. It's so much more responsive to what's going on with the patient than some arbitrary package number. Let's also sort of keep a sense of there's been quite a bit of research now that the social coupons have been out there, the Groupons, Living Socials, and what have you, uh, that how patient or, or, if you will, buyer behavior is for that. What we tend to find is that the social coupons tend to attract the deal conscious or deal seekers. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with trying to get a good deal. But when we look at a lot of the research that's been done, the folks that, you, that are deal seekers that are, are responding to Groupon, uh, a large majority of them will continue to find more deals and go wherever those deals are instead of um, loyalty to you, regardless of how good of a service you gave them. They're not really valuing your service. They're just trying to find the cheapest deal possible and sort of surf group on wherever it takes them. Those people tend to have poor results, A, because it's not consistent. The other reason that's a problem is that when you, when you advertise packages of microneedling on, say, Groupon or something like that, it tends to have people that when they when they're looking for those things they self-select they've decided that that they need microneedling and they're going to get a package of six and they come to you and they may or may not be great candidates for microneedling there might be there might be a better modality or different modality or an additional thing that they need to do that microneedling isn't quite the way to go or maybe you have to do prp with it or all kinds of different things but what happens is is that when you sell packages on groupon you tend to just people come in and say i'm here for the six microneedling i'm not listening to anything else you have to say Okay, so that's sort of my problems with the Groupon, the, the coupons, and the packaging of treatments in an arbitrary number of packages. You can accomplish the same thing by booking out, let's say, we're going to do three treatments one month apart. Let's say I'm doing age management, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to reevaluate the third month and decide if we want to continue with that. When you're booking them out, yeah, you're not collecting their money for the second and third treatment, unless you're a, a, a spa that takes uh, deposits, which most don't. But you're also, you're not locking them in. I see a lot of these uh, social coupon things that people do three or, three or four, and then they want a refund on those. 
Keep also in mind that in many cases, the uh, Groupon, the social coupon itself is taking 50% of whatever it is that you're offering. So if you're offering five treatments for $200, you give them $100 of it. Okay, so you're really only making $100. So it's, it's not, the, I'm not saying there's not a time to do Groupon, but when we're talking about introducing microneedling into an existing practice that you already have, or even if you're just getting started, that's the least preferable way to do it. And those other strategies that we've discussed work, tend to work a lot better, okay? So those are top five strategies for introducing microneedling into your practice. Thanks for listening to the Evidence-Based Aesthetics Podcast with your hosts, Kristen and Dr. Larry Group. For more discussion and information on all things aesthetic, be sure to join our Facebook group and follow us on our Instagram page. We look forward to sharing the next exciting episode of the Evidence-Based Aesthetics Podcast.